right, gentlemen, welcome back and a happy new year to you. Uh, after taking a quick year and something off, uh, we are back on the Battleground Podcast. Got uh, some good things in the works for you, so I uh, thank you for listening. Um, new year, new episodes, and God's been doing some work in my life, and uh, I'm excited to be able to devote a little more time to the Battleground in the future. Um, so I'm going to start off with a uh, giving a talk that I gave to um, a group of young men at Appalachian Bible College in the men's dorm. Um, I'll talk a little bit at the end about the future of the podcast in this year, so stick around for that. Got some uh, got some good things in the works. So uh, we all want to know what the will of God is, right? We all want to be men, uh, and we want to know, God, what do you want me to do on this earth? So God is clear uh, in the Bible what he wants us to do, and one passage where he's very clear about his will is First Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, so I'm going to read these five, six verses and make some comments on them. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, and not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God and that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Uh, So as I said, I, I gave this talk to the men's dorm at Appalachian Bible College several months ago and got some good feedback uh, from it. So here it is again, and I think it'll be a blessing to you. Um, This passage clearly says God's will is for you to know how to live in your own body. Verse 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel and sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust. So, God's will is for you to know how to live in your own body and abstain from sexual sin. Uh, if I had to give a title to this talk, it would be Straight Talk on Owning a Penis. Yes, I said it. Uh, and that's something that has hurt us in a lot of ways, is that we just feel so awful saying words that God gave us, you know, words that are part of the English language. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be real. Uh, we're going to talk like men. Um, I'm not going to shy away from uncomfortable words. And uh, yeah, that's the talk. Straight talk on owning a penis. So if you have one, and if you're a young man listening to this, uh, then you probably do, unless you unless you had a really unfortunate accident or, or maybe a regrettable surgery. Um, most of the young men out there will have one. Um, so several reminders <laughs> from God for us as men. Uh, before we unpack this text a little more, okay, back in Genesis, God made you and your body and your sexual systems. It was not the devil. As uh, I heard Matt Chandler say once, you know, God did not leave the room while he was making men and women and like the devil snuck in there and was like, here, I'm going to stick this right between his legs. It's going to wreck his life. Um, no, it was God that that made your sexual systems. So these are good things. And your sexual systems, all of them, your brain, your eyes, your penis, your balls, all of it. Uh, they're capable of two God-intended purposes. One, uh, they're going to be a source of pleasure for you and, and your wife one day within the bounds of marriage. That is a 
that's a clear thing in scripture. God, God made that and blessed that, uh, two shall become one flesh, read the song of Solomon. It's a lot of pleasure going on in there. Okay. Uh, number two, your sexual systems can produce new life procreation. Um, so God has wedded these two things together and your sex drive is a good thing. Um, I know I've said it in previous episodes, but the church has not done a great job of one, again, using helpful grown-up adult words, um, and two, of, of of saying that sex is good. A lot of the no's, and, and the no's are good, um, but if that's all they are, that's that's unhelpful. So your sex drive is a good thing, and it's it's capable of a lot. God calls you then, in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, especially if you're not married, but it calls all of us to possess your body in sanctification and honor. And if you're single, this really means abstaining from sexual activity at all. Um, married and unmarried, obviously, abstain from sexual sin. But we know if you're listening to this, it means you're on a computer or a smartphone and uh, you know how the internet works. So if you fall into that category, you know this is a sex-crazy culture. Um, we live in a hyper-sexualized culture, and internet porn is a, a relatively new phenomenon that a lot of our parents just didn't confront in the same way we did. Um, and it's a sad and interesting fact that our kids will probably confront some of these issues in different ways than even we did. But it's absolutely wild that, you know, think of King Solomon and his 700 wives and 300 concubines. Um, he could choose from uh, like 900 to 1,000 just beautiful women, and if he wanted to sleep with them, he could do that at the drop of a hat. But uh, the capability that we carry in our pockets with a smartphone or, or on our laptops, we have access to <laughs> to million, you know, way more than Solomon. And this is a, this is a difficult thing to have that kind of power, um, especially if if you were young when you got access to the internet, you got that iPod or iPhone or whatever it was. Um, and if, if you discovered porn at a young age, uh, early teen or even preteen, which is happening far too often today. And, and you were raised with access to that kind of, uh, that kind of content, that almost infinite amount of sexual content that puts you in a difficult place. There's no way around that. You know, your brain is forming and, and it starts to develop with that stuff. Um, and there's all kinds of studies there, but that's a that's a difficult thing. So, despite our sex craze culture, and despite the ease of access to sexual sin, uh, because there are so many new ways to do the same old thing, God calls us to be in full control of our bodies, which are made in His image. God says, "Possess your vessel in sanctification and honor." So, I'd like to address kind of the big three um, struggles you might be facing. First, as I said a second ago, pornography, it's available, and and the sad fact is it's not going away. It's going to be uh, available at, at your fingertips for your entire life, and you're going to have to learn how to deal with that, how to live and say no. Um, I, I don't have to say it's unhealthy on a lot of levels. Uh, we could talk about the the fakeness of it all and, and how they really are actors and no one is having fun, but it's being framed as a, an enjoyable thing. We could talk about how it does not make you a good sex partner in real life in the world. Um, we could talk about how it, it turns you off to real human connection, you know, all of these things, but you probably already know this. Uh, third, it, it develops a, 
an addiction to variety more more than other things even it's it's you know like solomon it's that there's this kind of promise that you can have infinite pleasure because there's infinite number of things to look at um so porn is one big obstacle in the way of you living a a life of of sexual integrity of self-control um stepping away from technology uh, let's talk about masturbation um here's the issue with masturbation you know some people will say is it addressed in scripture um is it wrong and and i'm going to say yes <laughs> and here's why it it turns you literally in into yourself okay the whole point of the christian life is is to lay your life down to give it up for others to follow christ and and those actions to deny yourself but masturbation teaches you how to sexually please yourself whenever you want um third it's it's bad preparation for marriage your wife your wife is not going to be available 24/7 like like masturbation is so um there's several of these reasons and really one of the big ones you forgo an opportunity to have self-control uh, that's the bottom line so if you're going to follow Christ you're living a life of self-denial um and masturbation is ultimately self-pleasing now i i know there's maybe a 0.5% margin where some people say, well, if I don't think lustful thoughts and if it helps me not be, um, helps me not be lustful later, like when I'm actually with my girlfriend or, you know, stuff like that. Okay. At the end of the day, I'm going to say, do you have self-control over your body? Can you say no to that desire? Um, you know, the, the rush of, of hormones, the, when you're really turned on you feel like, oh, I need a release that doesn't last forever. Okay. That comes in waves and it, yeah, it will build, but then it will go away. And so do you have the the self-control to say no to that? And and that's the struggle with masturbation. If we look at scripture, um, we see Jesus in Matthew 6, this, the same passage that he's talking about, if your eye offends you, um, pluck it out. And, and whoever looks on a woman with lust has committed adultery in his heart. He says that, and then in the same thought says, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say 100% sure that Jesus was referring to masturbation, but <laughs> it does make you wonder, what could he be referring to? So there's some evidence there. And then again, where the passage we're looking at right now, 1 Thessalonians 4, um, possessing your vessel in sanctification and honor. So that's a, masturbation is a issue. It's an obstacle to that type of self-control. Third, uh, you may not be married, but you may be in a relationship, and this can also present a set of obstacles uh, if you're not careful, because as you know, many smart people have said, the devil will try to get you to go as far as possible before you're married, and as little as possible after you're married. Um, so he's going to do everything he can to get you aroused and in bed together um, before God says it is good, and then when God says it is good— he wants to keep you apart. And so if you're in a relationship right now, um, you should not be giving your body to stirring up these passions. Now, again, I know there's an element where this is natural and God-given, but the self-control factor still reigns. So if what you're doing with your girlfriend or your fiance is is just preparing you for sex, if it's getting you turned on and, and you're getting hard all the time, that's not a that's not a good thing. Okay, you were inviting um inviting your body to go further than what it's it's rightly allowed to do. Um, 
so those long makeout sessions, you know, in a in a dark place and away from people, that's <laughs> that's a no brainer. Okay, that's not possessing your vessel with sanctification and honor. Okay, those are three obstacles that are pretty common today that I'm seeing a lot that I had to deal with. Okay, pornography, masturbation, um, and then if if God does bless you with a relationship, how do you navigate the physical relationship with her before you're married? Um, so uh, let me give you then five observations about the fight against those things. One, the devil enjoys getting us to sin and then letting us sit in that overwhelming shame. And if you've been a believer for any time and struggle with sexual sin, you know. You may be familiar with the the guilt, shame, the binge purge. Um, but when you've sinned and that crippling guilt starts to set in, let me encourage you, run to the blood of Christ. Think about Romans 5a. What's it say? God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. God's love is so great. <laughs> Your sin, although it's an obstacle, it separates you from God. It, it did not separate you from the love of God. Okay. The love of God and Christ. So if you are in Christ, run to the blood and, and think about how how your sin has been paid for, and God loves you in spite of your sin. You know, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Um, so it's not as if God is there yelling at you, saying, "When are you going to get it together? When are you going to be pleasing to me?" Um, in Christ, you're there. He loves you, and and He wants the path of life for you. Uh, you may know comedian John Christ. Something I I love that he says. Uh, we too often get this idea of of just that, the God that's kind of like this angry coach, you know, angry football coach that's just screaming at us from the sideline, like, get it together. More often than not, um, he, a God, is is there with us, loving, uh, like almost picturing with his arm around you saying, look, I know you're looking for joy. You're not going to find it here. Let me show you a better way. That's the call he's giving. He's saying, I love you. Follow me. Just give it to me. Um that's what Christ is saying. So run to the blood of Christ, run to his love, and, and think about how much we don't deserve it and, and how scandalous grace is. That's, <laughs> that's the facts. And when you meditate on your position in Christ, you're going to be in a much better place to say no to that guilt, because that also turns into a sin in of itself, which, as I'm sure you have know, if you've been there, that sends you back to, well, where can I find pleasure uh, to escape this guilt and then rinse and repeat the whole cycle. So run to the blood of Christ. Um, as I've said before, there's no future version of you that God's going to love more. Um, that's how great the love of Christ is. Number two, you have to believe that there's a more sanctified version of you that will be consistently victorious over these sins. Okay, you have to have that vision. And again, I know if, if you've struggled with this for years, as many have, you can kind of settle in this like, this is just going to be my lifetime struggle. Um, but you must maintain that there is a you, a more sanctified version of you, that can consistently say no to this sin. You have to have a vision of that. Don't, don't lose sight of that. Three, harness the power of James 5, 16 and 17. What's it say? Confess your trespasses one to another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. And here's the popular prayer verse that we like to quote out of context, and it's it's a good verse no matter what. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But when you put that in context, uh, it's saying, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed because the righteous man who prays, this 
prayer of healing over a brother who's confessed their sin is very effective. So if you want spiritual healing, you know, go to a brother in Christ and say, I have sinned. I have looked at porn. I have jerked off again. Me and my girlfriend did this. Okay. If you've been there, go to your brother in Christ, confess your sin, say, brother, will you pray for me? He prays for you. You pray for him. And God says, there's a there's a type of healing, of spiritual healing that happens there. Now, I, I'm not saying that your brother is your high priest. Obviously, confess it to God. Do that stuff you know you should. But as we walk this life, your Christian brothers are there to aid you. So really take in, harness the power of James 5, 16, and 17. Um, four, and, and I really should say this at the top of the list, do the spiritual disciplines you know you should do. Okay, those are ways to, again, exercise self-control. So meditate on scripture pray. You have to, you have to have your relationship with God. We all know he knows it won't be perfect, but if you have no walk with God, if you're not sitting in his word, um, if you're not speaking to him, he's going to be distant (laughs) and, and your conscience will be dulled. You know, all of these things, the guilt will be greater. So go after your spiritual disciplines, go hard after your spiritual disciplines. Um, Five then as kind of a asterisk, Think about marriage in a helpful way, especially if you're single, okay? Um, marriage helps in some ways. It really does. Being able to have sex with a, a woman and, and God bless it is is wonderful. And in my story, like that was the, that was when I had the longest victory over masturbation and I'm <laughs> still there. Praise God. You know, marriage helped me there and, and it will help your fight. But I want to be clear it does not eliminate your sin or the battle, okay? Your, your lust is still going to be there. And, you know, may God give you the most beautiful wife in the world, but there's still going to be other women on the world that you're going to be tempted to to look at. Um, so you have to you have to understand that marriage is not the silver bullet that will send your sexual sin away forever. Um, and, and there's going to be days where she's not in the mood, and you are. And then what? You know, you're going to be sitting there and... That's if you don't have the self control. Well, one, you're going to want to, you know, force her or put her in a situation she doesn't want to be in, um, or two, you're going to want to go off somewhere else and 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 masturbate and and get that out. Um, and both of those are are wrong. Both of those are sin. So, marriage may help, but it won't fix it. I I urge you then to fight now. Right, it, your fight right now matters. To get back to the passage, then. Um, Self-control over your body is imperative. That's the theme, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel and sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So if you know God, there's to be a a difference in the way you possess your body. Um, But it says, verse 6, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. God did not call us to uncleanness. So what does that mean? That if I don't possess my vessel in sanctification and honor, I'm defrauding my brother. Well, it it's because when you are in sexual sin, it affects more than just you. Okay, number one, if if you're in sexual sin with your girlfriend or your fiance, okay, that affects her. You're not being the spiritual leader you should be. She is not behaving as she should be. Um so that's that's defrauding her. That's not doing right by her. Uh, it affects the girl you're dating, the girl you may marry. It also affects the family 
and the level of spiritual leadership that you will have when you have the family, okay? Um, it, it, it's because the quality of man that you are is <laughs> is going to be displayed in your home. And maybe you're not the head of a home right now. Again, maybe you are in college or high school. Um, but your lack of spiritual leadership that that will play itself out. And so I, no matter what age you are, it affects the type of, of leader you are or will be in your home, your church, or your community. And and that's not doing right by all those around you. Um, so if you want to, if you want to do right by others, <laughs> do right in this area of sexual integrity, because I, I guarantee you, you'll be a better man, and, and that will display itself in the way that you disciple others and point them to Christ. Gentlemen, the sad fact is there's there's a great number of men who've disqualified themselves because of their failure to gain victory over a growing sexual sin. Um, it, it really is sobering, and it's... I, I'm not going to start to name names just because it would be... <laughs> there's There's too many, but... Don't fall by the wayside. Don't be one of those stats. And I'm I'm not saying that God's grace can't reach even past sexual sin. Obviously, it can, and restoration and healing can be found. But there's there's something that's lost. Sexual sin is different than all of the other sins, as the, as the Bible makes very clear. So let's be a generation of men who are not phased by the tidal wave of sexual sin and perversion and infatuation around us. Um, and if you're listening, I <laughs> I pray that you find a good girl, or maybe you found her, you love God together, you enjoy sex together, you have lots of sex and good sex, Uh, this is a gift from God, you make babies who you raise to love and serve the Lord, this is a good thing in God's sight, that's the story of Scripture. Uh, That's the will of God, 1 Thessalonians makes very, very clear. So let's get after it, let's do it. All right, that's the talk. If if you found any of that encouraging or, or appreciated it, there's a couple things you can do. Uh, obviously, leave a five-star <laughs> review. Um, that just helps, and I, I know I get tired of hearing everyone say that, but the 10 seconds it will take you to scroll over wherever you're listening, Apple or Spotify, um, that would be a, a massive help to me and, and for the podcast. Uh, next week, I'm going to be talking more and unveiling a little bit more about my plan for the year and, and getting back on a consistent publishing schedule with this. Um, so I've been developing some core values that I want you to be able to consistently find when you listen to the Battleground podcast. So tune in next week. Uh, you'll hear about those. I promise it'll be edif- edifying to you. Um, I really appreciate you listening. And again, I I apologize halfway that it's been a year and a half, but been doing other things with my life, and uh, God has just opened the door and and impressed on me lately that I need to get back on this. The need is great, um, so let's be let's be whole men that submit all areas of our life to the Lord. Let's know how to possess our vessels in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust. Right? We've been redeemed, uh, so it should show. Let's get after it, gentlemen. Till next time, keep fighting. 